A lot of us have done it, or at least thought about it, fudging a diagnosis on a patient's chart so to protect them from their insurance company. But is it right? You're listening to ReachMDXM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, your host, and with us today is Dr. Jim King, the president of the American Academy of Family Physicians. Welcome, Jim. Hi. We are honored to have you here. First, tell us about yourself. Are you practicing, or is this a full-time job as president of the American Academy? This year as president, it's a full-time job. But I, I have practiced full-time practice prior to this past year. I practice in what they call a group practice without walls with six other family physicians in rural West Tennessee. We have three practice sites, and we're tied together by electronic medical records. I see patients in two of those sites. One is my hometown that I grew up in, which is Henderson. The other town is the town that has our hospital and where I live, and that's Selmer. Right. So you're the newly elected president of the American Academy of Family Physicians. That's awesome. What are your duties and responsibilities there? Well, I have the privilege of representing 94,000 family docs. I get to talk to people like yourself in the media. I get to talk to people in business world and government and tell them exactly who we are and what we do. In fact, I'll testify tomorrow before a House committee. Next week, I go to North Carolina to meet with the Family Medicine State Chapter there. And I have multiple table discussions to talk about the value of family medicine and the need for change in our present health care system. So, in other words, you know, I hear a lot of dissing of professional organizations these days. But what I've read about you and what it sounds like is the Academy is really working to get some, some quality care back into this messy system. That's very important to us. We realize that the health care system is not what it should be. We don't provide the services as well as we should, and we can improve ourselves. All of us can. And we're working to improve the care that we do for our patients. In fact, we're using it under the concept of a patient-centered medical home. And what we're really saying is, Put yourself on the other side of the exam table and try to determine what their needs are and make sure you're meeting the patient's needs instead of your own. All right. So let's talk about some of these squirrely little issues that have shown up since we have such a a heavy focus on third-party payers and insurance and everything. Let's get right into the ethical issue we're talking about today. What are we supposed to do, or maybe nothing, I don't know, when we know that a patient's diagnosis is going to affect their insurance coverage in the future? For instance, I had a psychiatrist who was telling me one time that um, he wanted to give somebody some antidepressants, and he actually ended up giving them samples and not keeping a record because it was a short-term depression, and if he put that on the patient's record, they'd be struck out of all future coverage for mental illness. First, number one, it's just a shame that when you place a diagnosis in a patient's record that it can affect their health insurance coverage to begin with. You know, we wouldn't even have this problem if everybody had health care. If we had health care for all, we wouldn't have to worry about the diagnosis. But you're right. Sometimes the diagnosis may have an impact on their health care coverage. The American Academy of Family Physicians approved, and we used the AMA's Code for Ethics, which in a nutshell simply says that a physician cannot enter anything into the chart that's not truthful information. Okay, but how about leaving something out of the chart? Now, that's an interesting question and something different. You're right, in way of something not being in the chart. In my particular case, you know, what I feel like we need to do is to make sure that the diagnoses we are putting in are truthful. You gave the example of your psychiatrist. Well, under the CPT code system that we have, we have to put some diagnosis with every code that we turn into an insurance company. And when you're positive that the diagnosis may be depression, then you should. But in many cases, you're depending on a symptom that they have. They may come in and complain of insomnia or not eating well, and you think they probably have depression. 
Well, there's nothing wrong with putting in the symptom of insomnia with that CPT code until you're sure you have a diagnosis of depression. You can do the same thing with chest pain. You think they have heart disease, but you're not sure. If you put in chest pain, then those uh, CPT codes that you turn in may not and should not cause the harm that having a diagnosis does. The problem is that over the years we've been taught and to put in the, the phrase rule out a diagnosis when we do a workup. Insurance companies say rule out as gospel, that's the diagnosis, and then you're right. Patients get punished for a workup that you're doing that could turn out to not even be what they have. So, you know, my suggestion is be certain of your diagnosis, and if you're not, if you enter a symptom in or a sign, then you may not do the harm to the patient that you would think they may do. Yeah, so don't you think it's just crazy that besides everything else we have to learn and think about, now we've got to think about a patient's medical record and their their insurability in the future. It's like, where are we going here in this healthcare system? Yes, I do agree that it's crazy. I do agree that insurance companies can lead us down a path even based on diagnosis. You mentioned your psychiatrist friend who chose to give, give samples instead of writing a prescription because a lot of times an insurance company will take a prescription that's been prescribed in that particular drug and then relate it back to a diagnosis. And as you and I both know, there's multiple reasons to give certain medications. A lot of the antidepressants that we use, we use for something entirely different that has nothing to do with depression, but yet the patient could lose their mental health coverage because you wrote a prescription and the insurance company paid for it, which is squirrely. It is a problem that we have to address, and then usually what it leads to it's multiple letters from the physician trying to explain why you did something and why it's not a medical problem that they had to begin with. You know, there's another side of it, too, in that sometimes we have to overstate a diagnosis or, or symptoms in order to get a patient benefits. And I always feel a little bit unethical doing that at times, but if you don't do it, the patient doesn't get what they're supposed to get. I agree that that exists, and I, I try not to ever overstate but it's amazing how a lot of insurance companies hit on key words, and it's just a particular word that if it's in statement of their medical condition, they'll accept that. And, but it has no method of being able to grade out, determine if it's how severe something is, or if you use the word moderate versus severe in trying to get coverage for certain things. And it is confusing, and it does lead to a lot of problems. But the main thing as physicians is make sure that whatever word you put down or however you phrase it, that you feel very comfortable that you are being very truthful and you're not committing fraud. Right. Oh, I understand that. Well, let me ask a question. How ethical is it to explain to our patients that our diagnoses might affect their insurability and that there are times it might be wise, like, for instance, to forget to list a doctor? I, I'm a dermatologist, and I get requests all the time from patients who are getting life insurance, for instance, and, and I've done nothing that would affect that, and I have to send in a report. But every once in a while, there's a skin cancer on there. I know it's not ethical to really do it, but do you think guys ever suggest and tell a patient, don't put my name down, you know, because then this disease is going to show up? I don't know of any physicians doing that, and I would be hesitant to, well, I don't feel any physician should participate in committing fraud themselves or misrepresenting a patient's records or suggest that the patient should do the same. In way of dealing with the insurance companies in my personal practice, when they request information, we'll send the information that they request and not leave anything out or not put anything extra in. I think that a lot of times, though, that it would be very beneficial for a physician before they send that record out to review it because there's a lot of times you may need to put an explanation on a particular diagnosis that may help in continuing their coverage 
if you happen to have a place you put down, like I said, a rule-out basal cell carcinoma, and when the pathology report came back, it was negative. But yet they have that in the chart, and they have to correct that. I had one patient that we ordered a, a treadmill or a stress test to do on because he was having some atypical chest pain. Stress test was completely normal, but his insurance company decided that they weren't going to cover him because they did the test. We had to write a very lengthy letter just to explain that we know more about his heart than we do anyone else's because his was normal. Okay, well, here's, here's an off-the-wall question. You had to write a lengthy letter. Is writing a lengthy letter something that is reimbursable that we should be paid for? To answer your question, it's not reimbursable. Should we be paid for? I think there's a lot of things that we do in our office that should be paid for that's not covered. Most all the health care coverage that we get, at least here in Selmer, Tennessee, is only face-to-face things. So when I write a lengthy letter to try to help keep someone's insurance coverage, I won't get reimbursed from anyone. Or if I make a phone call and talk to a family member about a condition that the patient wanted me to talk to, I'm not covered. Or if I call in a prescription. There's a lot of things that we do every day in helping a patient navigate and work through this very complicated healthcare system that's not covered. And that's one of the things that I think that in the payment plan for health care that they need to really take a hard look at on how does insurance companies pay us. One of the areas is, is definitely of all the things that we do that doesn't have a CPT code for it. Now, are organizations like yours trying to get this changed? I mean, attorneys get paid when they write letters. Why can't we? Oh, we're definitely trying to get it done, the American Academy of Family Physicians. In fact, we're proposing a, at least a change in payment for primary care physicians, and that is a three-tiered system. The first tier is to pay for services when you come in to be seen. I think that will always be with us. But the second part is a management fee, and that can be based on the number of patients that are assigned to you. It's not like the old capitation, but it covers all of those things that are expected of me, whether it be the telephone patients, email patients, to fill out paperwork. You've got to understand that from a family physician standpoint, my job now is to do everybody else's paperwork. I have to fill out the paperwork for the hospital so that they get paid for their, the hospital stay of my patient or the MRI I ordered. I have to fill out the paperwork for my subspecialist colleagues to make sure that referral gets covered by the insurance company. I have to do the paperwork to make sure my patient's drugs are covered if they're not on formulary. And the insurance companies are always sending me their paperwork to do at no pay. So with a management fee that helps cover some of those things that kind of help make sure my patients get their care, I think it's very important. Then the third tier is this pay for performance that's hanging out there, or what I'd prefer to say is pay for quality, that if they're trying to get us to reach certain levels, then they should pay us. And it's more for data collection, so I think they should pay for getting the data to find out what percent of my patients are getting their hemoglobin A1Cs for diabetes, and then also what those numbers are. And if they're moving downward, then I should be paid more. So in a three-tiered or a blended system that includes all of those, it can make a difference, I think. So what I'm hearing here is just the sea of paperwork that no wonder our physician colleagues are getting just so overwhelmed and unhappy. Exactly. I mean, none of us went to medical school to do paperwork. We all enjoy taking care of patients. We love the encounter, the relationships that we develop, and we want to be in the exam room. We don't want to be in the office sitting at a desk signing papers. Is there a time when you can just say no to certain paperwork? There's certain paperwork that you can, but each of us have to grade out what paperwork we're not going to do and how it impacts our patient. Because when you choose not to do the paperwork, the problem, especially as a family physician, is the person that's going to be negatively affected a lot of the times are my patients. They're either going to have to pay for the services out of pocket or they're not going to get the services they need because the insurance company will deny payment or deny that service if I don't do the paperwork for them. Well, I get inundated at times when I get patients who 
for lack of having to pay a $20 copay on a medication, they want me to write a three-page letter. You know, it's kind of like it's not worth it. I just go pay the $20, you know? Right. We, we have those as well. You have patients that, you know, they, they want us to do a prior authorization. And you've got to take consideration with a family doctor seeing 30 to 35 patients a day and we're writing, you know, prescriptions for all of them. And you're right. You don't, there's not enough hours in a day to fill out prior authorizations. So, you know, we try to make an effort to stay inside of the formularies and use the appropriate drugs. And when indicated, of course, we will try to do whatever it takes to get them care they need. Jim, thanks for being our guest today and discussing this touchy but important subject, fudging diagnoses so patients don't lose insurance benefits or writing reports until our hands drop off. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your questions and comments. Please visit us at ReachMD.com. Our new on-demand and podcast features will allow you to access our entire program library, including this show, and we thank you for listening. <laughs>